welcome to all of you, and if you're watching online tonight, wherever you're watching from, we welcome you this evening. And uh, I, I want to I wanna share something for a few moments. It's not the main thing I feel to teach. I am going to uh, kind of do part two from last Sunday, or last Thursday, but um, there was some conversation my wife and I were having within the last couple of days, and it was generating some thoughts uh, in, in kind of a, a, an area, and I, I really felt like this morning um, that the Lord just kind of uh, dropped something into my spirit, and, and many of you here, and Declan, welcome home. Declan went on an AYC trip to Brazil, and uh, I forget what was going on the last service or two before he left. We didn't get to pray for him like we try to do, but obviously he didn't need it. Look at him. Here he is. But good to see you, Declan. Can't wait to hear your stories, and Brazil is a special place to me because I spent a couple of months there, so amen. So I, I want to, and many, many, so many of you, I mean, from those of you, deacons to other ministry leaders, department heads, and, and then a lot of you in, in unofficial type Bible, home Bible studies and, and working with people. So in, in kind of that, I'm not saying this necessarily in a leadership context per se, but in the context of those that you are ministering to, um, and, and some of you, you are in a role of, of leading them. Uh, th- th- this is the statement, and I'm going to try to give you a visual here in just a moment. But, but this is the statement that kind of just dropped into my spirit this morning. Direction is more important than position. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I'm not talking about position in the sense of a title. Direction is more important than position. And I, I really think some of you, this will help you. It's kind of helped me today with some areas. So, so I, I want you to, uh, I want you to, to imagine this is, this, is, this is sort of the, the, the I don't really even want to say starting point, but kind of starting point in the sense of, of being born again, but just as we know there's life in the womb before birth, we believe, spiritually speaking, that before someone is baptized in Jesus' name, gets the Holy Ghost, if you didn't have a chance to watch Brother Thompson's teaching last year, let me know. You owe it to yourself to, to, to watch it. And, and so I, I I, I'm, I'm kind of throwing being born again out there, but I want you to understand I'm really talking even even prior to that starting point. So, so this is kind of the beginning, the starting point, okay? And 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 then over here is over here is the is the this is the Paul says forgetting those things that are behind, I press towards the mark. So this is this is the mark. Call the mark heaven, eternity. So that's the starting point, and, and this, is the, this, is the, this is the finish line, okay? So you guys, you'll have to take notes later. And you guys, you, you, you come here first, Julian. You come here first. Declan, hang on for a second. So, so I, I, want, I, want, I want you here, 
and, and so again, he, he's more towards the start. Now, right now, you can face them, and we're going to change that in a moment. And so, Declan, you, you come here, and so, you know, this, this is kind of like leader, ministry, whatever, you know, because we're all so close to the goal. Okay, so starting, ending. So I'm going to say it again. Direction is more important than position. So do me a favor, both of you guys, stay where you're standing, but both of you face that way now. So right now they are facing the right direction. And, 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 and we can say it in the context of what I mean here tonight. He, he is, okay, so, so position-wise, he's, he's less mature. He, he's less spiritually developed. He's, you know, he's, he's ministry leader, a deacon, a depart, whatever, a licensed minister, whatever else. And so, you know, he's, he's further along in all of this. And so in the, in the context of being a person with others you are caring for, ministering to, discipling, use that term. We have a tendency to get more concerned with a person's position. Where are they? I'm not saying that's unimportant. But I feel like the Lord kind of gave me a revelation this morning. That's not necessarily the most important. Because as he continues progressing... If in the course of that, there's still this gap, but he now changes direction. And so rather than now moving closer and closer to his calling and eternity and whatever, he's now changing direction. He's still further along. He still knows more. He knows more doctrine. He lives a more separated life. He's still trying to work on some things. He's still got some things. We're we're not completely sure where he stands on everything yet. You kind of getting the gist of what I'm putting down a little bit here? Okay, okay. And, and, and so, and, and really ultimately, I'm, I'm meaning this in a positive way, but trying to help you get what I'm talking about. If, if you're over here and you're still heading in the right direction, we're, we oftentimes are unsure, we're concerned. Where, where are they? Where do they really stand? I mean, do they really believe what we believe? Are they really believing doctrine, whatever? And so I, I'm, I'm, I don't, please don't, I don't think you should apply what I'm saying in this absolute, complete, concrete way. Apply it in the context of what I'm saying. In the context of what I'm saying, his position is really not the issue. His direction that he's moving in, even if he kind of gets stagnant for a little while in this position, his direction... Because at some point, what's going to happen is, if we keep moving in the wrong direction, 
we're actually now going to end up in the same position. Awesome. Look how far he's come. He's now... Except the problem is his direction. Think of it, again, ministry, but think of it evangelism outreach-wise. Or are they? Bless God, they haven't, they haven't been born again. But, but, but what, what's the direction? Thank you, guys. Because he, here's the thing. As long as I can have some degree of peace over a, the direction somebody's moving, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But if I'll stay in the right direction and allow the Spirit of God to continue doing its work in my life, I'm eventually going to get to the destination. I, I, think, I think, let me, let me say it to you this way, I think the more harvest we see here, the more important this becomes. Well, I don't know about the position. I don't. Well, but 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 but, are they moving in the right direction? And even if maybe they're not currently moving, are they still? Are they still facing? Those of you that deacons and you got people you're responsible for in your oikos. I. Which which direction are they going? So, I, I, I know I, I have a tendency, I, I'm, you know, I'm concerned with, with, with where are they? What, what is their position? What is their position on things? <laughs> but that's, not, that's not the most important thing because the flip side of that is there's, there's a bunch of people that I've seen in my lifetime that were way far, they seemed like they were in the right position, but what you didn't really realize was they had changed directions. That's why, oh boy, this, this, this is probably going to mess up some of you. But that's why God's got more patience for the person starting out that doesn't dot all the I's and cross the T's. Because they're, they're moved. He will lead and guide into all truth. And, and and that's why another reason you got to be careful if you happen to be having if you happen to be one of the ones that kind of change directions and you're well I'm still further along than yeah but that gap is narrowing because they're moving towards the right destination you're you're going back to the to the wrong. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this and I'm trying to trust this more and more and more. If I'll just worry about doing my job, God will do His job. The problem is when I don't trust God to do His job, which as I've said many times in a little bit different way, but the same principle, the reason some of us, it's not really that we don't trust God to do His job, it's just we've got an issue 
with where we are, and if I got to do this, if I got to be here, then you ought to have to do it too. Rather than allowing God's process and timing to work. Isn't it amazing? We have no trouble accepting the stages of natural development. We, we, you, you, you don't have any issues because your toddler does not know how to properly bathe, dress, whatever them. You understand? That's not... Now, if at 20, they're still struggling with all those same things, then, then there's some kind of a problem. So it is spiritually. That's why I'm reminding you some of the, some of you of this, and others of you maybe not to be a reminder, but to, that's why that's why you don't hear me as the pastor of this congregation consistently harping on all those things we do and don't do, because there's a bunch of folks that are moving in the right direction. And rather than prematurely put something on them that in their spiritual development they're not ready for, I, I got to have pretty clear, I'm not ashamed, I'm not embarrassed over what we believe, teach, preach, I'm not the least bit ashamed of it. But I also understand, got to be mindful, we're not all at the same place. We've got something working inside of us that's producing some things in us if we will let it work. Praise God. So I, I, I don't know how many of you needed that, but I, I do. I really wish that would become more and more a part of our mindset as leaders in evangelism, etc. It's not necessarily about where you are. It's about where, what, what direction are you moving in. Again, the, the negative is there may be some people that seem like they've gone way down the road towards the goal, but, but they're turning more and more. So it's not just all about where you are. As Brother Fowler sort of taught us, everybody stand so we can get a reset. Amen. I want to I wanna just pick up basically from last week, and um, we uh, remind you, uh, I think it's no, next Thursday, right? Isn't it next Thursday? So next Thursday night, we will be starting, um, I keep forgetting the name, I'm embarrassed of that. Importance of the Christian family, I ought to know this. For a lot of reasons, I ought to know it. Um, although, I, you know, I can, I've had several young folks the last week or so when I've referenced, you know, struggle remembering, they say they have the same issue. So I am so encouraged. It's not about getting old. It's, I don't know what it is. Of course, I tell you they're all men, but some of you ladies go, oh, of course, we knew that. Anyway. I digress. 
Um, so next Thursday night, we'll all be together, and um, not every week, but there's going to be a couple of times at least throughout where um, some of it will be geared um, towards our kids, some of it will be geared toward the young people. Um, so it's going to be a great time, and I believe everyone is going to be benefited, um, I think, really, since the beginning of time. The enemy has tried to destroy the family, and it's only gotten worse and worse, and it is amped up so much in our world today. So I'm hoping that not only are we going to learn some things, but God's going to help us. Amen? Praise God. So, uh, so I can get this right. There we go. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Father, thank you again for this opportunity that we have to come together First and foremost, to worship you together. You are always worthy of our worship and our praise. So thank you for that. And thank you for another opportunity, God, to open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to your word. God, your word is the only source of life. Your word is the only source of wisdom, God. Everything's got to be in alignment with your word. So I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds and spirits to receive the seed of your word. And I pray also, God, that there would be fresh faith released in us tonight, that we would mix our faith with your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to read these verses from a couple other translations Amplified says it this way, Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves. He takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in His giving. And I remind you from last week, the word cheerful giver there is not just about necessarily being joyful, but as the parenthesis says, it's about being prompt to do it. It's about being ready to respond. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. 
so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self, and whatever the need be self-sufficient possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation and lastly the living bible but remember this if you give little you will get little A farmer who plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop, but if he plants much, he will reap much. Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful givers are the ones God prizes. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. And, you know, it is so amazing. God, God does not compare us by each other or measure us by each other. Now, I would venture to say that every adult in this place tonight has some degree of the familiarity with the verse in the Bible that says, we do not compare ourselves among ourselves or judge ourselves by ourselves, and those that do that are not wise. How many of you here tonight can say that you never, never, you never compare yourself to someone else? Anybody? We know we're not supposed to. And we do it. And, and the majority of the time, the majority of the time, what we compare ourselves to are the ones that make us feel less, not enough. Failures. Every now and then we find somebody that we are, you know, we feel like we're superior to. And we, but most of the time that's not our struggle. Not the, not the genuine, sincere, honest-hearted person. It's, it's all of those that we think are so much farther along that we are. They're more spiritual than we are. It's not about position. It's about direction. And, and you know, giving is the same way. And I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again tonight. As I'm talking about giving tonight, uh, yeah, probably first and foremost in the context of these verses that I will read to you tonight, it's, it's financially. But giving is not limited to financially. It's the giving of our time, it's the giving of our talents, our resources, etc. So I, I'm, I'm challenging you to think of giving tonight as, as it's talked about, not just simply with regards to your money. Because you know what? There's some people that, that they're, they'll, they're willing to give of their money, but they don't ask them to give of their time. So it's, it's about being a giver in all aspects. And, and, and the beauty of Scripture and the beauty of God's principles is it's not about how much you give, whether that's money, time, etc., compared to how much I give. God's not measuring your giving by someone else's giving. God's measuring your giving by your giving. <laughs> because God's interested, whether it's finances, time, etc. He's not really as much concerned with how much you're giving as He is with how much is it costing you. How many of you pass by? I know some of you don't, and God bless you. I remember Brother Morgan talking about this, and 
we probably ought to all go back to what Brother Morgan said, but how many of you, every time you see a penny or a dime or a nickel on the ground, you reach down and pick it up? Some of you do. How many of you have a tendency to look and walk by, especially nowadays, nobody wants your cash anymore? It's, it's just a penny. It's just a nickel. Well, you know what? There are places in the world. I mean, if you're making a dollar a month, that penny actually has a little more value. The thing that we could care less about that doesn't, we're not walking around all the time picking up pennies, it, it, it's because we've got enough resources, it doesn't cost us. I know most of you know the story, but it's the, it's the story of Jesus sitting there with the disciples as people are walking through the temple and these guys are coming by. And, and I think in today's terminology, they were dropping in their $100 bills and maybe some of them were dropping in a couple of wads of $100 bills. And then all of a sudden, this woman comes by and all she has is a dollar and she drops that dollar in. And, and you, can, you can imagine the disciples sitting there kind of looking at each other with kind of this look of disgust kind of as if saying, how dare she? How in the world could she come up and give her... Does she not see all of the money that all these guys are giving? And Jesus turns on them and says, she has given way more than all of them because they've given out of their abundance and she has given from her necessity. So I, I, I challenge you tonight, some of you in, in various ways, you look at others and what they give, what they can give, what you think they give, and look at what you're able to give and feel like it's, it's not enough. Don't forget what Jesus did with five pieces of bread and two small fish. With just that, he fed 5,000 men plus... The issue is really not how much you have. The issue is what are you doing with what you have. Because as long as you're hanging on to it, it is a finite amount. But when you release it and give it to God, what was a finite amount becomes an infinite amount when He adds His power and ability to what you've given. Man, I feel like preaching, but I ain't getting no help in here. So so I, I just, that that really wasn't, I really wasn't, but I just felt that as I was reading. This is not about how much can I do. It's about giving who you are, what you are. So I, I, I want to talk to you again about this law of the harvest. And, and i got to insert this. this. This, in addition to that other thing I talked about, this, this just came to me today. I'm telling if you're if you I'm 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 challenging you, I'm begging you as your pastor, if I'm your pastor. Write it down. Put this put this put this in your notes somewhere in your phone. If you really got a great photographic memory, then okay, look up there real quick and now it's done. But most of us aren't that way. Be careful of a belief that is birthed in or by bitterness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound and give you an example of this in a moment. But, but, but the number of people that I have watched in my lifetime that have gotten off track 
not necessarily because they started with their own belief, but they started listening to someone who believed something that they did not understand that that belief was birthed through some bitterness. Do you know, I I would encourage most of you probably to not do this, and some of you are now going to go do it simply because I encouraged you not to. There's certain ways we're supposed to be as little children. Other ways we're supposed to put away childish things. Children are going to pretty much do exactly what you tell them not to do. And so, anyway, you, you can... You can find, you, you basically everything we believe and who we are there, there are, there are, there's not just articles and things you can find out there. Contra, there are websites. Again, I, I'm encouraging some of you really not because some of you aren't strong enough. You hear me. You're not strong enough. There, you can go out there and find websites that are all about simply being against the UPC. So you can read everything on there from appearance to, 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 to giving, etc., etc. And, and you know what the common theme is? Somewhere along the way they got bitter over something. And out of their bitterness, they have now... It amazes me, we've had it happen through, it amazes me, you will go download an article on the internet and believe what some complete stranger says over the people, and I've watched this with my, with my dad when he was pastor, and I was not even anything other than maybe youth pastor, but you, you'll go believe something some person you've never met before says about a doctrinal topic, and and. Take that over the person that's given their life for your soul's sake. If you don't want to believe something here, I promise you, you can go find all of the ammunition you want. But I will tell you without fail... There's somewhere down in there, you're going to find a root of bitterness that was not dealt with. And now they've got all these... And, and so, I'm, I'm not going to take a lot of... I realize some of you probably never really heard a lot of teaching on this subject. I think I do a little bit more foundational stuff in the um, stewardship series for the GROW discipleship course. So if you haven't watched that yet... I would encourage you to watch that. But I, I, I'm just going to touch because here, here's the bottom line. And I'm, I'm trying. You know, I, I've, been pastor, I've been senior pastor since 2005 now. So I, I've, got, I, I've got a decent amount of pastoral experience. But I, I don't want to ever stop growing and developing and maturing. And, and I know one of, those, one of those challenges for most pastors, and I've fallen into it, is, is you get more focused on those that you've got to present all the arguments and explanations and convince them while there's a bunch of other people that are like, you know, I'm not talking about following blindly. I mean, Bishop just said it, uh, I think it was at Apostolic Conference. He said it there. I, if you just, he said it to a bunch of apostolics. If you just take everything I say and believe it without checking it in the Word of God, you're, you're foolish. 
So I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean that you don't compare it, but I don't know about you. There have been some times I've heard some things, and I was trying to be, and there, there was something like, whoa. Sure enough, I go start digging, and I find out that that's not right. So I'm not talking about following blindly. But it's amazing the difference between hungry, sincere people who are moving in the right direction. I didn't know I was going to bring that back into this. But the the people that are moving in the right direction, they're not the ones that you usually got to absolutely convince from every single angle. The people that want all the convincing are the ones who are now... So I sit there like, you better talk me out of it. Oh, hallelujah. So I, I'm, not, I'm not about to get, I'm, 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 I'm going to brush over, in, at least from, in a, in relatively speaking, I'm about to brush over this. Believing that most of you already believe it, and those of you that don't, May, may not know a whole lot about it. It's going to stir something. And if you need more, you want to know more, understand more, I'm more than willing to talk. And there's plenty of others in this room that are just as capable as I am on the topic. So I, I want you to understand, I'm not here tonight to try to uh, convince the, the unbeliever. I'm just challenging and trying to encourage and stir up some things in the believers. Okay? I'm not here to give a dissertation this evening. <laughs> But, but the, the topic of tithing, that's one of the biggest topics where you will find people adamantly telling you tithing is not for us today. Without fail. <laughs> you can believe me if you, don't, if you want to and don't believe me if you don't want to, but without fail, in all my years, Brother Middleton, Anybody that's ever started taking an adamant stance that all of a sudden or they get, you're going to find somewhere, somewhere there's bitterness that has now opened the door. Here's the thing that continues to puzzle me. How many of you, how many, how many of you here tonight, you've been married, let, let's, say, uh, let's say 20 years, let's do 20 years or more. We got several folks. I, I got a question. Those of you that have been married 20 years or more, and, and all of you, even you newlyweds, hopefully you'll be in the same vein as what I'm, but I'm just, I'm trying to prove, make a point, trying to make a point here. Those of you 20 years or more, how many 30 plus do we have? Wow, look at that. That is awesome. Any 40 plus here tonight? 50, any 50? I think the bishops, they're watching. Brother and Sister Bishop, they're not here, but they're watching. They're 50 plus. My parents are 50 plus. Again, we'll go back to the 20 plus years and above. Are you, are you, let me, uh, this isn't fair because you don't ask this to... I'll, I'll use Brother Gross because Sister Gross isn't here because she's probably watching, but she is not here. The rest of these, I can't use any of these guys here because they got to answer it the right way. Otherwise, they, they're, they, there's a bigger issue than me. 
Brother Gross, are, are you less concerned now with what your wife thinks, feels, likes, dislikes than you were, or are you more concerned now? Does it matter to you more now? Wait a minute, you, after all this time, you're not... How about this? All of you 20 pluses, are you, are you trying to figure out ways... I'm really not trying to get count, set up counseling appointments, but we'll just we'll find out if we need some here. <laughs> it's really not good to lie, but do me a favor. I'm not going to tell you to lie, but I'm not going to tell you to lie. You just might not want to be honest and then repent later. <laughs> How many of you, 20 plus years, you're 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 wanting to spend less time with that person. How many of you are wanting to spend as much? I find myself, I'm going to Liverpool again in, uh, next month. I, I try to go at least once. I just have a personal desire to try to go once a year and be with the Hemuses, and of course I usually preach what I'm there, but I'm just really there more so just trying to help show my support, remind them that we haven't forgotten them. I don't think they think that, but so I'm going next month, and my wife was supposed to go. She didn't go last year. She's supposed to go this year, and she just just really doesn't quite feel up to it yet, so uh, she's she's not going, and, and um, Nathaniel's actually going to go with me, and I'm I'm thankful for that, but it's not quite the same. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I feel badly because I, I, I really, from the moment I get dropped off at the airport, I'm clicking how many, okay, how many nights do I got left? I haven't even left yet. Sometimes I feel bad that I'm not more focused on where I'm going and what I'm doing. I'm, 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 <laughs> that's what happens, that's what should happen, <laughs> the longer you're, ma- why is it the longer we're saints? How come there's people, the longer they're saints, the less time they want to spend, and the less they want to give, and the less they want to not just be around Him, they wanna, the less they want to be around the body. I got to tell you, I... Uh, a couple of Sunday nights ago, I preached, and I, uh, when I preached about spending and being spent, and, and we were praying, people were praying until well after eight. And I can't tell you what it did for me as the pastor of this congregation that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was closer to nine. Service was over by pretty much most people were done praying, eight fifteen, eight twenty. And, and at 9 o'clock or so, when we started to leave, the percentage of people that were still here, still lingering, and a lot of them fellowshipping with each other, I, that, that was so... Re- I mean, I appreciate everything else and the response to the preaching and all, but, but I can't explain... Because that, that, that is an indicator to me we're, 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 we're on the right track. 
If you're not in a hurry to leave and you're, you like fellowshipping and connecting, that's a, and, and so why is it that, that it's an okay thing that, that we got all these people that are looking for less ways to spend time with Jesus and the body and less giving less, etc.? And, and so, again, tithing is one of those big topic things. Oh, my goodness. And some of you, if you'd be honest, you're struggling some because you've opened yourself up to what some of those people have said. I don't mean this to sound egotistically, but they're not the ones that's going to, as long as you're a part of this congregation, they're not the ones that's going to stand before God and give an account for you one day. Why you, it's probably in the best way to say this, it's probably a little, I don't even say C-R-A-P, so I have a kind of high standard of vocabulary, what I, I'm not, I've got plenty of other faults, so, but I feel like this may be born of, I, why, why you give a flip about what they say? <laughs> other than the fact other than the fact, y'all can tell me later if I really shouldn't have, but every now and then I really, look at him. I know when I actually, look, I know I, I kind of, oh. So. Other than the fact, the problem is you, oh, Lord. I'm not even, I'm, I'm y'all, I got to finish this because the next four weeks I can't teach on this, so I'm sorry, I got to, but. Other than the fact that you've got a seed, it may not be a root, but you've got a seed of bitterness that's trying to spring up. And so what you're not, what you're not recognizing is that subconsciously there's something in your spirit that is connecting with their spirit. It's a dangerous thing when you start to feel more of a connection with somebody that's not accountable for your soul than the person that's accountable for your soul. And none of that is intended to be an excuse for my behaviors that may not be the best. That's not my point. But just go reread the story of David and Saul. Nobody ever suffered abuse from a leader any worse than David. He tried to kill David, and yet when David just simply cut off a piece of Saul's robe, he was smitten in his heart because he didn't touch his body, he didn't kill him, he just simply... Wow, I don't know where. <laughs> so, so, listen to this. Will a man, Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you in tithes and all? Let me, let me, I just, let me back up. There are two things. Two things that are always... Well, let me, let me rephrase it. There are one of two things, and a lot of times two things, almost simultaneously, but usually one of two things that begins to change when a person starts changing direction. When a person begins to make that turn, there are one of two things and often two things that begin to change. Either their church, their faithfulness to church, or their faithfulness to giving. 
And if you think for one second that just because a person seems to have suddenly stopped coming to church that they backslid overnight, you've missed it. There is no such thing. It might be a while before the outward results are manifested, but it's been going on for a while. And I've watched it my time of pastoring, and I watched it before my time of pastoring. Mark it down in your book. If a person is starting to head in the wrong direction, one of those two things are going to begin to change. And again, a lot of times it's both of them. We need spiritual discernment. But there's also some things God established so that you can see some fruit. You don't have to. And the revelation that I got several years ago as I was sitting across from a leader who was struggling with their faithfulness in giving, it it hit me and it completely changed my approach since that point in time. If you're sitting across from a leader who's committed to be faithful in their finances and they're not being faithful in their finances, addressing the issue of their finances is really no benefit because their finances is not the issue. I never say this, but I just feel like saying it tonight. I'm teaching good. (laughs) I ain't one of those guys that say that, but I I feel like I'm teaching good tonight. That's probably going to come back to haunt me. (laughs) It's not. And all of a sudden I begin to realize I've sat at times before in the past with people who were not being faithful in one of those two areas but had made a leadership commitment to those things. And you know what happened time and time again? You sit down and you simply talk about that. They give you their apology. If it's church attendance, they'll tell you, I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor, I will be faithful. Or if it's their giving, what they'll tell you, especially their tithing, they'll say, I, I know I haven't been faithful and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start paying my tithes. And there have been a few times where it's almost been like, give me one second, I'm going to run out to the car, I'm going to get my checkbook and I'm going to write a check for everything that was missed. And awesome, great, fantastic. You know what happens is usually for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, they maintain that faithfulness, but all of a sudden, give it time, they're right back to the same thing because all you did was address the symptom. I'm letting you in on a few secrets tonight if you're listening. I'm trying to control me. You're telling me i got to do... No, we just learned a few things that are... I mean, what would you... It'd be like you, you go in the doctor's office and, you know, they, they grab your, your hand and they sit there and, and, and they start telling you, you, you got a problem because your pulse is not... How dare you tell me I have a... So what if my... What do you mean, so what if your pulse is not... It's an indicator. Hallelujah. I'm feeling, I think I'm also feeling an intent, a, a bit of, the little bit of rebel that I have, because I just read the other day where we aren't really supposed to teach more than 45 minutes at Bible study each week. So I just feel like busting through that tonight because I never teach more than 45 minutes. 
Well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein we robbed you in tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse. I, I, I heard somebody say recently, well, that, that's all Old Testament. Okay. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now there herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. You want to know a simple way to be able to tell if it's the devil fighting your finances? Check your faithfulness. Because if you're being faithful and there's an issue, you're having issues with your, there's not enough, there's lack, whatever, then the enemy's probably fighting you. If you're not being faithful with your finances and there seems like they're never enough, you got a problem. The devil's not your enemy. And you can rebuke the devourer if it's the enemy, but you can't rebuke the devourer if it's God. God says, if you'll do your part, I... He doesn't say, you'll have to rebuke the devourer. He says, if you'll do your part, I'll do, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Let me tell you, it's one thing for you and I, who wasn't in Scripture, said, the Lord rebuke thee. Who was that? Michael. I mean, it's one thing for me to say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And, I, and we've got an authority to do that. But it's another thing when you say, the Lord rebuke you. you that, that's a whole different thing. That's like the kid on the playground, I'm going to go get my dad. This isn't you and me anymore, I'm going to get my dad. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And, and so I, I talked to you last week that there, there's a difference scripturally between salvation and rewards. Salvation, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, let the process of salvation work. Salvation is a free gift. But God gives out rewards, and rewards are based on performance. Oh, hallelujah. And, 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 and the Lord addresses two things here that I think you could say correlate in the proper context to salvation and rewards, because he says, you've robbed me because you haven't brought your tithes and. Because one is, should be. I'm I'm, I'm just talking to the sincere, open-minded tonight. I'm not here to argue and debate all the others, so here we go. To the, to the person that's moving in the right direction, tithes are really involuntary. And not because of your commitment to a leadership form. Because in my mind, the first 10% is not mine. It's not a debate. It's not up for discussion. It's His. But offering, the word offering there is a present as offered up, especially in sacrifice or as tribute. So in essence, if you believe, in my opinion, if you believe what the Bible says, your tithes are involuntary, your offerings are strictly voluntary. Hence what Paul says, as a man purposeth. 
I read, I, this, I don't remember I read this, this was in the notes I shared last week, but the Jews had, this is Adam Clark, the Jews had in the temple two chests for alms. The one was whatever of what was meaning of what was necessary, i.e. what the law required. The other was, the other thing, of the free will offerings. One was an expected required, the other one was... Now, actually, and I haven't studied this out, and some of you here probably are already more knowledgeable. My understanding is at the temple there were actually even more than just two, but I believe this is referencing sort of a part of the temple the way I understand it. Again, Paul said, Let every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a chill forgiver. One of, one of the basic arguments that people want to, want to make about tithing is it's Old Testament, it was the law. Again, to the sincere, I believe to the sincere, open-minded, honest-hearted person, there's really a simple thing that debunks that idea. In Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 18, it says this, And Melchizedek, son, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the, the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he, that is Abram, gave him tithes of all. This was pre-law. Before the law, Abraham believed the first tenth of my increase is God's. For those who want to say that tithing is all about the law, we're in the New Testament. Abraham set an example that was pre-anything in the law. Here's what's funny. Most people that have that argument, they then want to say, well, that doesn't apply in the New Testament because in the New Testament, everything belongs to God. I got a question. I, I would, if you could ethically do it, I would... Be shocked if what you did not discover was those who want to use the argument it's the New Testament, we're not under the law anymore, everything belongs to God, are probably less faithful in their giving than the ones who choose to still live by what they believe the principle of Scripture is. I'm going to make a statement that I think it could sound egotistical, and I don't mean it that way at all, but I... There's some people, I think there's some people in this room tonight, even with a relatively small crowd, that if you'll listen to some things the Holy Ghost, hopefully the Holy Ghost is saying, it's not just going to help your finances, it's going to save your soul. Because some of you have opened yourselves up to, to too many voices. Do you not understand? I, uh, oh my goodness, this... Do you not understand, and I don't mean this about me personally, I mean this in the context of the office that I fulfill. Outside of the office I fulfill, I'm no better than anybody else in this room. I'm not any better than anybody else. I don't mean that, I'm just saying I'm not any more important than anyone in this room. My, my authority and all of that has to do with the office. Take me out of the office, it's not mine. And look at, the, look at the transformation that takes place in a president's life the moment he, the next guy is sworn in. Everything changes. He, 
yeah, he still was the president and there's a level of respect and whatever, but it's all, go try to get in the White House. The place you just spent four years, go try to walk in there now and see what happens. You don't have the right anymore. So please, I'm, I'm trying to, because some of you, you don't hear what I'm saying. You're, you're just going to discount what I'm saying. So I'm not saying this about me. I'm talking about the office. But some of you need to understand the enemy is constantly looking for any foothold he can get in the door to put a wedge between you and whoever it is in this office. Constantly looking. Did you see? Pastor walked by you today and never even spoke to you. I, I know a few of you th- hear that statement and think it's that's so ridiculous, but I'm t- I've, ex- I've literally had those words spoken to me. He's constantly looking. And, and I said it already. I'm going to say it again. None of this is in any way intended to be an excuse for me not doing. I just, I just, I went up to, uh, never mind. I was in a conversation. Some point, somewhere. I, I was just, I was, it, this, something boggled my mind. First of all, it, it boggles my mind because I don't know how you're not more afraid of, of, of the role and whatever, but of of a of a of a of a pastor who 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 passed away at some point in the last two thousand years, and and on his deathbed, on his deathbed admitted to his daughter that as a pastor he was dealing drugs, he was sleeping around with all kinds of women. And a whole bunch of other things. I'm going to tell you what, I ain't perfect. But I'm going to promise you I'm not doing any of that. (laughs) Because by the help and grace of God at this moment, and for the rest of my life, I got too much respect for the office. So again, I am not, please hear me, none of this is about implying that I can do no, that's not the point. But the point is the enemy is constantly looking, constantly looking. So, so you know, that's Old Testament, it, it, it wasn't, notice Jesus never rebuked the Pharisees for their tithing. He rebuked them for their attitude. Hebrews says, Hebrews 6, verse 20, and then going into chapter 7, this is the last verse of chapter 6, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. 
without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. There's not a whole lot in the Bible. Uh, in fact, I just read to you the two primary places Melchizedek is mentioned. But he is a type of Jesus Christ. And so Abraham paid his tithes before the law. He didn't start paying tithes after the law. That's Old Testament. Paul says, my God shall supply all of your need. I believe in the context of this, of what the Lord says in Malachi, the paying of my tithes is essentially what I consider to be my guarantee God's going to take care of my needs. Because in essence, the paying of my tithes is me doing the minimum. So if I do the minimum, what's God's minimum? Okay, I'm going to take care of your needs. And some of you may say, well, he didn't take care of my needs. That's probably because you're trying to live beyond your means. Oh, hallelujah. Amazing how many decisions we make that mess things up, but we blame God for the outcome. So my needs being provided, I give Him the minimum. But I'm, I don't know about you, but I'd like a little bit more, and I've experienced more, but I want more than just my needs. I'd, I'd like some blessings. So he didn't just say, you robbed me because you, you kept the tithe. He said, you robbed me because you've kept the tithes and you've kept that which you freely. And I know, here's the other reason. I think I touched on this last Thursday night. I did, this, this is one of the top five. I don't know what the other four are. But this is one of the top five topics I hate teaching or preaching about. Because in our world today, there's the perception that Churches and preachers are all after money, and none of them can be trusted. Let me just tell you something, and this is not a boast about me because it's not directly me, but but there is we have a we've been using I don't know how many years now it's I think it's for decades if I'm not mistaken, but we've been using a local CPA, non-church affiliated CPA that is has been doing the audit the annual audit of the church books that the Especially when we've been going for more loans and stuff like that, they they don't they want they want it official. And this is this is the statement that he's he has sat a couple of times now in our board of trustee meetings with external board of trustees, and he has told this several times that he's told the people at his firm that basically when it comes to nonprofits. They're all not doing it the greatest. And then the thing he said is, but then there's Alice. Of course, most of you wouldn't call her that. So, but the bottom line is there's those perceptions. There's those, there's those ideas. Churches are all after money and 
And then now, of course, that just is constantly. I, I, I came across the other night. I, I stopped because it was just getting in my spirit. But I, on, on my on my for I, for I can't even talk my Verizon FiOS app. I I came across Jimmy Swaggart's network. And they were doing their spring campaign, fundraising drive. And I'm watching, this thing's going up millions. And I mean, the dude is cranking on people all over the world. So in some ways, I acknowledge it's no wonder there's some perceptions. But you also got to understand that's all of that's just a part of the enemy's tactic because he understands the blessing and the benefit of these things. And so he's looking for any way he can to cheat you out of it. Oh, hallelujah. So I, I, I'm not, I, I put a little bit in the notes if you want to read a little bit more about Melchizedek. But, so here's the, here's the law. And I, I've, the more I've thought about my title the last two weeks, I, I'm not saying the law is in the only. Maybe I should have said a law of the harvest. But Barnes says, back to this expression that Paul said, we read it earlier, that, that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. This expression has all the appearances of a proverb and doubtless is such. It does not occur indeed elsewhere in the Scriptures, though substantially the same sentiment exciting, sentiment exciting to liberality often occurs. And it's got some places. Paul here says that it is in giving as it is in agriculture. A man that sows little must expect to reap little. If he sows a small piece of land, he will reap a small harvest. Or if he is stingy in sowing and wishes to save his seed and will not commit it to the earth, he must expect to reap little. So it is in giving, money given in alms, money bestowed to aid the poor and needy, or to extend the influence of virtue and pure religion is money bestowed in a way similar to the act of committing seed to the earth. It will be returned again in some way with an abundant increase. It shall not be lost. The seed may be buried long, but it's not going to be lost. Isn't it amazing the principle in nature? You plant one kernel of corn and you get one ear of corn. Right? See if y'all are awake. I, a couple of people are awake. I'm getting hand signals. Feel like I'm a, at the plate. I got some base coaches. You get several. Not only do you get several ears of corn, but on that ear of corn, you've got several hundreds of kernels. Not Colonel Sanders. That's a one seed produces multiples. That that's the principle, and every principle God established in nature was to illustrate a spiritual principle. So whatever it is you're sowing, whether it's your finances, your time, etc., you are reaping and you will reap above and beyond. How is it that I sow my time and I'm going to reap my time? Well, I tell you what, I think it's something called eternity. That's a pretty major harvest on the amount of time you sow here and now. 
you will reap in proportion to what is sowed. This everyone knows is true in regard to grain that is that it regard to grain that is sowed. It is also no less true in regard to deeds of charity. The idea is that God will bestow rewards rewards in proportion to what is given. These rewards may refer to results in this life or to the rewards in heaven or both. All who have ever been in the habit of giving liberally to the objects of benevolence can testify that they have lost nothing but have reaped in proportion to their liberality. This follows in various ways. I, I got to tell you, I was, I was so, and I don't know the last time I preached about giving. I've taught about giving. It's been a long, I'd say the last time I think was in the studio for stewardship. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, as I went through some of the pledges from a couple of weeks ago for the, uh, the four-year pledges, one of the things that just so stood out and was such an encouragement, kind of like, Everybody lingering the other night was some of the young people, single and married, and the pledges that were made. I, that, I, I, I can't express to you what that did to me and for me to see that, that kind of buy-in from another generation. But, but that kind of buy-in, I mean that, I think, really kind of in two ways. Buy-in to the vision and what's going on at Antioch Central, but, but, but really even more importantly was buy-in to the principles of the Word of God. Because I sat there and I read some pledges, and, and as I read those pledges, I'm going, I, I know. I know that person, I know that couple, I know they don't have that. But as I was reading some of those while that was going on, there was a whole other side of me that was going, God, I cannot wait to see what you're going to do in the future for them. I can't wait to see the ways you're going to bless them. I, I can't wait to see the doors you're going to open because there is a law that if you sow, you will reap and you will reap above. I'm going to read some verses to you in a moment. You're going to reap above and beyond what you sowed. And please don't forget, you don't sow a seed today and reap a harvest tomorrow. There's some of you, I'm, I'm just going to hear me, mark it down, put this in your notes as well. There's some of you, it's going to be some time before you reap, and I can guarantee you the enemy is going to come along sometimes, and he's going to cause you or try to get you to begin to question and doubt. Boy, if you just still had that money, how, how could you? Could, uh, and, but, but the seed that is sown is going to produce. There will be a harvest from that seed. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this is not the get rich quick scheme. Because here's what's interesting to me: those that give with the ulterior motive of getting rich usually don't really get it and become bitter. Those that really give for the right reasons and motives ultimately could care less about what ends up in their bank account, their portfolio, etc. Solomon said this, 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 6, Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. The message Bible says, Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. I don't think I've referenced this in church. I've mentioned it in conversation a couple, of, but we were we were traveling back from uh, we were traveling back from Apostolic Conference and and uh, Jalen and Esther. Um, we went down together. Timothy went, but he he flew down with Bishop and Mother Wright to help Bishop traveling and stuff. And uh, we we had a layover in Atlanta, and we were sitting there, and um, about I, I I think it was. Myself, my wife, and then Jalen and Esther in the, the waiting at our gate. And about four or five seats over from my wife was this girl who was probably, I'd guess her to be early to mid-20s at the very most. She's sitting there on her phone, and pretty much every other word out of her mouth was the F word. But I don't justify, definitely don't appreciate that, but, but she was in some kind of major crisis with her mother. She was sitting there. This was late Friday night, and uh, she had met whatever her. She was supposed to be going to St. Louis. This is what we heard all this from the phone call. Um, in between all of the other things we didn't want to hear, um, but she was supposed to be going to St. Louis. And 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 the first conversation I recall hearing it 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 sounded like a friend or somebody. She so she had. Her whole plans for the weekend in St. Louis had been lost. The next conversation was her mother, and. She was cussing her mother out. Her mother had apparently gotten drunk, and it was because of her mother. She actually had, was trying to be mindful of her mother. Her mother seemed to care, apparently could care, couldn't care less. And so her, it was her mother that ruined. And, and so the, that, that call ended, and I, she, she got up and, and left and thought that was the end until... <laughs> About 10 minutes or so later, and I hear what I thought sounded like the same voice again. And um, I'm, I'm not a nosy person, but every now and then I get a bit nosy. I, I do. I guess it all builds up and then comes out. And so I, I got up and started wandering over, and it didn't take long. All of a sudden, here now comes her and her mother down the middle of the, what do you call the middle? It's not the jetway. No, the term, just the whole terminal, the main walkway. Here, and they are, and her mother's about five feet behind her, and she's heading straight down, cussing her mother out one side, down the other. And I, I'll, I'll take quietness. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that in the sense of her being quiet. I mean, I, I mean, I'll take quietness in the sense of. Sitting there with my, my, my daughter and my son across from me, son in law, son. Oh. I'll take that over getting on my bank app and seeing that I got thousands in the bank, but, but my kids don't like me and my wife and I are having. So, so the bottom line is you know, I said it last week, I said it last week. In nature, whatever you sow, that you, you sow 
Tomato seeds, you're getting tomatoes. You sow cucumbers, you, you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mix up. But I believe there's one place that that's, that that's different, and that is when it comes to spiritual things. I believe, and I know there's others that don't, don't agree, but I believe you can sow in your finances and your giving, and, and you don't just reap getting the exact thing back. You reap in other areas. I mean, if I have a choice to get whatever money we've ever given back a hundredfold or maybe not get all that money back, but we're in good health, we have a peaceful family, we... I'll take quietness, I'll take peacefulness. So at the end of the day, what, what really matters most is it that you give a hundred dollars and God gives you back a thousand? Is that? Or, or are you okay if you give of yourself freely to the kingdom, financially, yourself, etc.? And, and maybe God doesn't give you thousands back, but, but you got a good marriage, family's good. You're... So, but, but, but here, here we go, here we go. I'm almost done. But, but this idea of if you sow sparingly, you get it back sparingly. But if you sow abundantly, you reap. Jesus said it this way in Luke six thirty eight: Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with it, with all, it shall be measured to you again. Isn't it amazing when rude people get treated rudely, how upset they get? Amplified says, give and gifts will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will they pour into the pouch formed by the bosom of your robe and used as a bag for with the measure you deal out with the you deal out with the measure you use when you confer benefits on others, it will be measured back to you. The living Bible says, for if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use to give large or small will be used to measure what is given back to you. The Passion Translation says it this way, Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out on upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. I I got a question. Would you rather have God give you all your return on your giving here and now in this temporal life? Or or, or would it be okay if God gives you most of your return in eternal life? You know, the thing I hate probably most about vacation it doesn't last. We had one of our best, sorry, Elizabeth and Esther, we had one of our best vacations ever this summer. Of course, we were in the process of planning Hawaii, and Timothy was telling Elizabeth, I mean, come on, Elizabeth, Hawaii or marriage? Which one? Well, <laughs> I don't think they were too bothered by missing Hawaii. They'll take, 
They'll take their men's over that. Man, there've been a couple. There've been a couple times in the last couple. Have we been been almost a couple months? Have been a couple times like, man, I would like to be back in that spot right now. I'm thankful for the things God has returned in this life that I have sown. But I got to tell you, I'd rather enjoy it in the next life when it lasts than to get it all here. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. That's essentially tithing. And with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Amplifying, honor, amplified, honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors and with the first fruits of all your income. So shall your storage places be filled with plenty and your vist and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. The living Bible, honor the Lord by giving him the, per, the first part of all your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine with wine vats with finest, with the finest wines. Let me tell you something. I promise you, God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. I've heard people say in the past, they can't afford to pay tithes. I don't understand that. I believe I can't afford to not. Because again, you want to get down to what are the, to me, one of the roots of what tithing is all about. It's about ownership. And I don't mean ownership of the money. I mean ownership of me. Because when I'm owning, I'm controlling. When I am acknowledging He owns me, then I can say what Job said. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Last verses, and I'm going to read them just in the Amplified for the sake of time, but Deuteronomy, the Lord says this, chapter 28, verse 1. If you will diligently listen, if you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do all his commandments which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you heed the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your beast, the increase of your cattle and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading trough. I know all of you want your basket and kneading trough blessed. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. That's putting a whooping on them. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouse and in all that you undertake, and He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. What is the, what is the qualification of, of verse 8? The blessing that the Lord will command and, and, and that He will on your storehouses and everything you do, the qualification is that you listen diligently to the voice of the Lord, kind of like a cheerful giver. 
responsive prompt. I believe I'm speaking to some people here tonight that your faith is wavering a little bit because there have been times in the past you have done exactly what I've taught tonight. If you've sown the seed, there will be a harvest. And again, when you get, you know, it, it, it's, it's really, it's kind of like, how many, how, how awesome is it? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. How many of you have had that experience that you've asked, you've asked something in his name and he did it? Now let me ask it this way. How many of you, every time you've asked something in his name, he did it? Nope. Why? What the, what the non-student of the Word responds and says, yeah, see, the Bible's not true. What the student of the Word understands, that that verse is sandwiched around some qualifications. It's not a blank check. Just ask whatever you want to ask and you're going to get it. I promise you, if that worked, Prestige Auto Shop would be empty. Because every time I drive by there, I'd be asking for it in Jesus' name. I don't care how sketchy it seems, Brother Vernell. I'll figure that part out later. Jesus' name, I'll take that G-Wagon. Jesus' name, I'll take that Bentley. Never happens. So I guess the Word of God isn't true. No. Basically, you, you, you ask in His will. So yeah, see, I knew there was a catch. Yeah, because you're after the wrong things. Those that have got a right heart and a right spirit, they're good with that because they understand ultimately whatever He gives or doesn't give is all about what is best for me. So I would rather Him withhold what I want if it's best for me than to give me everything I want and it costs me my soul. That's part of the reason so many people have become disillusioned because... The preacher said, send me your $1,000 seed offering. And God's going to, and God doesn't always do it that way. There is a law of sowing and a law of the harvest. I probably should say it that way. A law of the harvest is you reap in accordance to the degree you have sown. I'm going to say this very broadly so as not to cause anyone to hopefully put two and two together, but I, I had a conversation at some point in my lifetime, more recent than past, but I had a conversation. I'm, 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 I'm closing, but this is an example, and it's not a financial example, so hear me. I had a conversation with some leaders that I've been involved with through the years, with the ministry they're involved in. And I've sat a number of times in my office with them, 
other forms of communication with them as they, they're fully invested. Not asking for help because they don't want to do their job, but asking for help so that everything can be done more and better and whatever. And I've sat through the years, not for a couple of weeks, through the years, time and time and time again, where they've asked with a good attitude and a good spirit, Pastor, is there anybody? Is there anybody? And, and then there have been some we, that were attempted and they just kept, they didn't quit, they didn't give up, they didn't change how much they were sowing, they continued sowing abundantly. And I listened recently <laughs> as things are turning. They're now beginning to reap. I think the problem is a lot of times in whatever area you need to apply it in right now, a lot of times we would never do this naturally speaking. But a lot of times, spiritually, we sow the seed by faith. But in a couple of days, we see no results. And we get our shovels out and we dig it all up. Rather than trusting the process. Father, I thank you for these precious people here tonight, those that are not here but that are a part of us, Lord. God, I know in various ways, for various reasons, I know that there are so many people under the sound of my voice this evening and those that will hear this later that, that believe and live by these principles. And so I pray, God, that this would just be a reminder and encouragement and for those lord that maybe they're they have sown but they've yet to see the full harvest that the enemy is trying to sow seeds of doubt i pray that you would use these words these verses the things you've given me to say tonight to renew reinforce their faith god i also pray tonight i believe there are people here that either new in their faith or we've got some young people and some young adults that have grown up in this, but now they're, they're in that phase, they're entering that phase that it's one thing to hear other stories and testimonies. It's another thing to experience your own. And God, I know because of our human nature, there is a, there's an uncertainty in putting these principles to to the test. Not only is there just the simple struggle of our humanity, but then the enemy comes along and he tries to sow seeds of doubt and fear and unbelief. So I pray tonight, God, I, I pray for the young people, the young adults in this congregation that are embarking on this process of sowing and reaping, that you would you would grant them the faith, God, to enter that process and, and see some results. I pray, God, for those here this evening that have sown and, and have yet 
to see the results. I pray that you would give them some signs, God, whether it's the full reaping of something now or it's just the... It's, it's just an indicator of what's happening and what's to come. Lord, you, you, you challenged to prove you in this area. Lord, I don't know of any other place in Scripture that gives us quite that invitation to put you to the test like you did with regards to our giving. Lord, you've been faithful to me been faithful to my wife and I, and I'm seeing your faithfulness manifested in the lives of my kids, and I thank you for that. God, I pray that every person in this place, every person a part of this congregation, I pray, God, that they would have their own testimonies their own stories to tell of how they have experienced for themselves the truthfulness of the principles of your word. You are an unchanging God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are faithful. You're reliable. You're trustworthy. We trust in you tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.